right, welcome back to the Abner Podcast, guys. I'm your host, Freyway, and I'm here with my co-host, Kenny. Indeed. And today we are talking about the Jujutsu Kaisen movie. Uh, this has been a long time coming, but this movie came out last year, and strangely enough, I saw it in theaters, but I fell asleep on what I'm realizing now, and at least an hour of the movie, because I just watched it this morning as we're recording this, and uh, I did not see so much of it that it it's genuinely surprised me for two reasons. One, I didn't think I would sleep that long. You know how sometimes you go to sleep someplace and it seems like only three minutes have passed, but I guess yeah. in reality, an hour had passed. So this happens a lot with alarm clocks when you have to wake up for like school back in the day. You remember those scary ass mornings where... You say, oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to rest for like five more minutes. And then you wake up and it's like an hour later. <laughs> that happened. That has happened all too often. Yes. So if, I guess it was one of those moments where I was like, oh, I'll just get like five minutes of sleep real quick. They're just talking right now. Nothing crazy is happening. And then I woke up when the night of a thousand demons or whatever was happening. I was like, how did we get here? Then the movie kind of ended. So that was the first part that surprised me. And the second thing that surprised me was uh, this movie was genuinely good. Yeah, I um, I, th- I found that interesting. It was cool. The animation was cool. It was, it was interesting. There's uh, you know, a couple different things I want to say about it. Yes. So, okay, before we get into the movie completely, uh, I just want to say, like, how are you doing, Kenny? How's how's life treating you? Really, really? How's life treating me? <laughs> yeah, how's life treating you? You know, I want to talk about. Well, uh, you sent me a screenshot that was really interesting at like two a.m. or something. 2 a.m. doesn't exist, first of all. 2 a.m. actually doesn't exist because <laughs> the weekend that we just had is the weekend of daylight savings, I guess, ending. I'm not sure how it goes, but I don't know. I feel like I've been told every time for the last seven times that this is the last time that people are playing with my emotions. I was at work last night. I get done work. I order an Uber slash Lyft to get home. And uh, it's like it's like a 20 minute ride. So yeah. it's like 43. And it was like, you'll be arriving at your destination at 3 a.m. I was like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> yeah, then, uh, that screenshot was the same because it's like, it's basically like you travel through time. So yeah. you, how long is the actual commute from like driving like from your job to home? 20 minutes. Okay. So when you sent me the screenshot, it went from like 1.40 to 3 a.m. And that just looked crazy. Yep. That yep. looked so crazy. You literally traveled through time. And I thought that was a cool concept because I've taken Ubers so much in my life. It's actually one of the best things that ever happened to my life is that Ubers exist because I don't have to really drive anywhere. I can kind of just be chauffeured around. But uh, I've never traveled through time in an Uber. So now I, I want to do that. So next time that there is going to be daylight savings, I guess November is when uh, clocks is like spring forward, fall back. So in the fall in November, time will yeah, go an hour. Go backwards. Yeah, so I can yeah, travel backwards to- in time. You'll have to get an Uber at like one forty ish. Yes. That way it goes past two AM. That way it's like you get the Uber at one fifty and you get dropped off at one oh two. Yeah, I mean? like I'm gonna like, get go... dropped off before I got in the Uber, which is so insane to think about. It's so cool. Yeah, that's uh, it was annoying because I um you know, I didn't even, you know, I completely forgot about daylight savings as everybody always does because yeah. my job since I don't mind now. So, you know, the other night we were like, uh, you know, we're recording Sunday and then I was like, you know, I want to get it done early in the morning. You're like, what time? I was like, let's do 11. You were like, all right, cool. And then daylight savings happened. I was like, all right, well, I guess there goes an hour of sleep. Like, Jesus Christ, like yeah. an hour, like 
just just you, get robbed. Yeah, you just get you lose an hour. And this is the part that's annoying about it. It takes a while to get acclimated to this. The last time this happened in November, it fucked me up for a while. Oh, the last time it happened, even though I hate it, it was juice. I was um I was out at uh at a friend's house, I think. Mm-hmm. And once again didn't know it was daylight savings. So we were playing Smash, I think, and uh and then it was two AM and then it was one a- or and then no, right? It was 2 a.m. and then 2 a.m. again, or how yeah, the fuck? Yeah, it, it, it tried to go to probably 3 a.m. and then it just went back to 2, so it was 2 a.m. twice. Yeah, yeah, however it works. And yeah. Got an extra hour of being a degenerate. That's pretty cool. Yeah, when it works out in your favor, when time goes an hour back, it's really nice. The only thing I don't like about the November daylight savings, though, is that that's when it gets dark at like 4.35 p.m. every day. Yeah. And that shit is depressing. I actually do not like it getting dark that early in the day but now in the springtime this is when days are going to be super long and i love that i love the days when it reminds me of being a child and like summertime seeming like it lasted for three years and you know yeah. like it does the street lights don't come on until 8 30 p.m uh it's not dark outside until nine you know like there's still a lot of light left at 7 30 p.m as opposed to you know, 7.30, it's pitch black outside in the winter and, and in the fall time. So I really, really like this part of the year, this stretch from now until November. This entire, like what, March to, to November is like eight months. So this whole eight-month stretch, I love it. Like, I love that mm-hmm. this is a thing. Uh, but yeah. It, I'm told this is the last out. time. I'm told this is the last time they're going to do uh, Daylight Savings. So Well, know. you've been told that a lot. And I don't know how true it is. But I did see a couple months ago, I saw something about ending daylight savings time that congress was going to vote on it or something like that like it was going to the government to decide if we still need it because the original function of it i don't think applies anymore because of technology like it was about the agricultural industry and how they had to get up and do certain things with crops and all type stuff like that but it doesn't really affect us the same way anymore just because of all the tools and things that we can do we create artificial sunlight now so um, a lot of a lot of the purpose of daylight savings back in the day is not necessary anymore. And honestly, they said that there's a lot of studies that show that it hurts children because children, mm. unlike adults, they are very, very keen to routines. They're all about routines and having to wake up a young child at a different hour. So if a child loses an hour of sleep like you just did, it's actually a big deal and it makes them really cranky and groggy. And yeah. I mean, obviously that can happen to an adult too, but we can control our emotions a bit better. Whereas like a child will just scream at the top of their lungs because you're waking it's, them up an hour off schedule. It's frustrating. Also, I've read, a really long time ago, I saw a funny meme. It was like, just like a Native American like face. Hmm. And the words were only the white man would think taking an, uh, an inch off the top of a blanket and putting them on the bottom blanket makes gives you a bigger blanket. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking laughed so hard, <laughs> but yeah, I don't. I hate daylight savings because uh, it just doesn't make sense. Like your day is your day. Um, yeah, your day is your day. Like, but twenty four hours. Like it's easy for us to say that because we don't work in the industry that it was originally intended for years and years and yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. Like it's outdated get, for us. This is it's a boomer concept in general. It's very outdated, but it, it's also frustrating because you grow up and it's normal, and then as you grow up and once again the world we're in now and how connected we are to everything you get connected with other places in the world and you realize a bunch of the world does not have this concept like yes this is daylight savings is not a thing that they do everywhere else so it's like well they get on just fine like why the fuck are we still doing this yeah that's also true i don't remember which state there's at least one state arizona doesn't do it either so it's like let's 
let's fucking let's get on the ball here. And I, I don't think that they're the only one, but I know off the top of my head, Arizona does not recognize daylight savings. They just stay in one time zone. Well, you know, they stay with one set time and that's it forever. Like they do not change yeah. an hour forward, an hour back and all that. And that I do think that there's something to be said about how uh, it just affects your schedules and routines. It sucks. It really sucks. But Okay, I just wanted to start off with a little, you know, what's going on. Uh, is there anything going on for me? I just saw Scream 6 yesterday. It was a rant, but it was an enjoyable rant. It was way better than Scream 5, so there's that. Uh, Scream 5 sucked. This one, this one was, so the ending was, in my opinion, the ending was really bad for this movie, but I think that most of them end pretty bad outside of the original trilogy or really just the first one. But yeah, this one throughout the beginning to the right before the end, I thought it was pretty entertaining and I liked the slasher. It was very brutal. This one was like, like I know that it's, it's rated R this one. I feel like they really took a lot of uh, opportunities to just show how gory and gut wrenching things can be no pun intended there, but like it is really hard to watch some of the scenes because of how brutal it is. Like people just getting stabbed over and over and over again. And they kind of just show it on some game of Thrones type shit. So yeah, scream six was, uh, it was exactly what you expect from a horror movie in 2023. They're mm. all they all kind of suck c- collectively. Like that whole genre just kind of sucks. And I'm not really sure yeah. what is wrong with it, but I feel like I haven't seen a really good horror film or whatever you want to call it in a decade or something. It's just yeah. Yeah, they don't they don't do it for me. Yeah. Anyways, all right, back to Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. Is that what it's called? JJK Zero or something like that? Yeah, because it's a prequel. Uh, from what I understand, from what I read, this is actually the start of the manga. The oh, wow. first, the first like seven chapters of the manga is this, and then it goes into um the normal JJK season one that everybody knows. But yeah, from what I read, this is actually the start of the manga that what this movie is. Okay, so what I really like about this, and this is something I want to touch on with you too, because you grew up watching a lot of anime movies. We watched World's Strongest, Tree of Might, you know, like, we watched a ton of anime movies growing up. And this one is canon. And this is something that's been happening in recent years with anime movies, is that they're all canon. So Demon Slayer, one of the biggest anime movies to ever come out, that movie ties in directly with the storyline. It is not some side story that when you bring it up in an argument with someone, they're like, well, that's not canon. Because that used to happen to me. I didn't know. When I was younger, yeah, yeah, yeah. That watching all of the Dragon Ball Z movies, those are the main anime movies I'm talking about. That's why I named two of them. But like when I watched the Dragon Ball Z movies as a kid, I used to bring up things that I saw in those movies when I would just like have debates with my friends or just talk about stuff with my friends. And then I get told like, oh, that's not actually real though. Like that's not a canon thing. It's not part of the real source material. It's just kind of like some made up shit. And that used to bother me so much because. Yeah. I mean, I saw it like it happened. It's the same people animating it, right? Or usually it's the same people animating it or the same writers and stuff. But it's like, oh, it's not canon. Therefore, you can't really bring it. Like, oh, the Brawley movies, for example. Those are a great. Yeah, one. yeah. I used to talk about Brawley all the time. And they're like, well, he's not even real. <laughs> like, Yeah. See, that that shit's annoying, though, because if you want to make the argument like if Goku, like I, I know in one of the Naruto movies, Naruto makes like a fucking planet-sized Rasengan, like right. some absurd shit. Oh, that, those and, are number one too. All the Naruto movies, most of them are not canon. Like ninety nine percent of wanna, the movies aren't. If you want to say like Naruto can beat this guy because he did this in this movie, and then they go, well, that's not canon. Uh, that makes a bit of sense because it's like, well, it doesn't make sense that season one Naruto can do this, but then Shippuden Naruto is weaker than him, right? Because right. he did some crazy shit in a movie, but. If you're talking about a character, Broly is from the movie. So 
everything Broly does is canon to Broly because he's not in the manga. So if somebody brings up Broly, then then you're talking about like you're talking about the movie. And then also, you know, if you're talking about the movie version of a character, then, you know, you're talking about that version of the character. You go by that version of the character's canon. Yeah. Same thing with uh, with Bleach. Bleach had a lot of cool movies. Uh, Fade the Black. One of them was yeah. There's there's a bunch of actually good bleach movies. I, memories I, of nobody. I memories think is the of the very no- first one. Yep, I love that one too. Uh, people start to lose their memories of like Rukia and stuff. Like she doesn't exist at all, or like some other girl doesn't exist. It's like really cool. But those movies again, they're not actually real. They're not canon. They don't actually tie into the real story of Bleach or the real story of Naruto or the real story of Dragon Ball Z. And I just don't really like that the more I've gotten older and understood that, you know, this isn't canon. Therefore, you know, you can kind of disregard whatever you see. I don't like not having stakes is, I guess, my issue. It's kind of my issue with the Tournament of Power, too, but I'm not going to get too sidetracked on that. But I think things need to have stakes for me to really care. Otherwise, it just seems rather foolish. Now, with prequels, some people argue that prequels don't have stakes because you already know who dies and who survives, right? So if you see Gojo or you see Maki and Panda and Inomaki and all of those guys in the prequel, you know that none of them, no matter what they're about to face in this movie, none of them are going to die because Mm -hmm. they're blatantly in the season one of Jujutsu Kaisen. And that is true. Like there, there are no stakes in a, in a sense that, Oh, these characters are going to get severely injured or severely harmed because you see them alive and well competing in their own version of a shooting exam in season one. But what is cool is they introduce a character that is not even in the show uh, so far. Like, I, I've never seen Yuta at all, I don't think. And, not not yeah, as far as I know. Yeah, he wasn't in season one at all, but they introduce him. And he ties in so cool because, go, jumping all the way to the end, he is actually a relative of Gojo, the strongest jujitsu yeah, sorcerer. I wasn't ready for that. He's like, I'm going to just say he's Gojo's cousin. They didn't specify, yeah. they just said distant relative. Yeah, we can but say like, cousin to make it easier. He's like essentially Gojo's cousin, which I was not ready for. <laughs> Although it doesn't surprise me when they said it, though, right? Because while I wasn't yeah. ready for that either, his power is fucking absurd. Okay, like the shit that he was doing at the end of the movie was so nuts. So I guess to go all the way back to the beginning, it actually starts off the exact same way that uh, episode one of the anime starts off. So Itadori. Yeah in the beginning is about to be executed because he swallowed one of Sukuna's uh, fingers and that makes him a special grade curse. Now he has the strongest curse inside of him. So all of the elders, whoever these people are, they're kind of hidden behind these uh, like wall things. It's it's, they do this a lot in Japanese culture. I'm not sure if this is like an actual Japanese judicial system thing, but I noticed that central 46 and bleach is like that as well. There's always like, the people who are actually adjudicating something in Japan are behind a veil. You can't actually see yeah, who yeah. they are. And maybe they did that's... It. Go ahead. They did it in Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, you um, noticed that. That must be like... I don't know if that's a real thing, but maybe back in the day it was in J- Japanese history. And I'm wondering if it's to protect the people who are doing the adjudicating so that they don't... Like, if someone knows you're a judge, like in America, all of the judges are just known people. Like, if, And judges have been executed in America, too. Like, they've been killed... Like people mm-hmm. have gone into make home, you know, home invasions and and have actually murdered people who are judges or even witnesses, right? Like witnesses or yeah. witness protection program just because people murder witnesses. So I'm wondering if it's to protect them or if there's something else at play there. But I always notice that when I'm watching something Japanese based, a lot of times whoever is deciding a matter, they are behind a veil and you don't get to see them. You just hear their voices. 
So that's something I noticed. But yeah, they're talking about essentially this kid, Yuda. There were like four bullies in the beginning of the movie and they were just fucking with him. You know what kids do. It's typical stuff. It doesn't make it okay, but it is normal for kids to be bullies, at least some of them anyways. And they're bullying him and shit. And so this curse comes out and I I thought it killed him. When I saw it, I thought that it absolutely. I mean, I'm not convinced that they're not dead, at least half of them. Yeah, uh, it apparently it gravely injured them and made it put them in a state where they will no longer ever be the same, whatever that means. So I don't know. They showed them crushed into mush in a locker. And like the amount of blood that was coming out of the locker was absurd. Yeah. So whatever life they have is not a real like I wouldn't want to be alive after whatever he did to them. Right. So that's not much of a, a life. Like theoretically, yes, they are not dead. But the the state that they're in, I don't want to be a fucking crushed pile of bones that's still just able to maybe talk, maybe just exist. Like that doesn't that's not it. That's not really living. But yeah, he he basically uh, really, really hurt slash killed four kids who were bullying him unintentionally, of course. And it was because of this curse, Rika, that's been following him around for years since he was a child for six years, actually. Six years. Yeah. So. Once we find out about that, they kind of go back and show that uh, as a child, he had this, I guess, a girlfriend, a, you know, puppy love. When you're in first grade, I had a I had a girlfriend when I was in first grade, too. And, mm-hmm. you you know, you, you talk about things that are not real, like, oh, we're going to get married. We're going to have children. How many kids do you want? What kind of car do you want to drive? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What kind of mansion do you want to live in? You know, we've all been we've been there, right, Kenny? All that weird shit. Yeah. So, yeah, they're uh, they're on the playground and it's his birthday. And she gets him a engagement ring, it looks like, you know, stuff that I don't know why a kid would be wanting to do something like this, but it's innocent. It's one of those really innocent things that that children just do. They don't understand yeah, the gravity. Just, they just say shit like, oh, yeah, we're going to get married. Like, this is this is the person I'm getting married to. And like, you're you know, you're seven. <laughs> yes, literally seven. So, yeah, she gets him an engagement ring and then they flash. They they go forward. And she got hit by uh, Bus Chan or one of those, like Car Tran. And if you don't know what that is, in Japan, like pretty much in every anime, uh, there's always going to be a truck or a bus or a car that absolutely murders a character. And so now they just call it like Truck Chan or Car Chan or Bus Chan. Dude, truck has more bodies. There's no, you don't have a your favorite character doesn't have as many bodies as the truck. <laughs> yeah, the truck has killed so many people. Yes. So Truck Chan comes through, kills this little girl, and it's brutal. It's like some rated R shit to the point where they show there's a, a lady. Piece. Yeah, there's a lady. There's a lady that screams like her head is crushed. Like I Literally forget what they that. say, but no, you're yeah. right. That's verbatim. Her head is crushed. It's verbatim. Uh, there's also a chunk of flesh that Yuda is staring at. It looks like her her teeth. It looks like a chunk of her mouth comes out. Because, again, her head is crushed, and I think her teeth fly out. I mm. rewinded it three times to try to understand what I was looking at, because it's just like a chunk of meat, but then it has what looks like teeth carved out of it, so like gums. And it's gross. It is very gross. It's very graphic. I wasn't expecting that. And, uh, yeah, the, it's it's just a really dark moment. But anyway, so she gets killed. Rika gets killed. And after she dies... Apparently, Yuta couldn't accept it. So there's a plot twist in this movie. And at first, it's believed that she cursed him. That after her death, because she loved him so much and she wanted to be with him so much, she couldn't accept the fact that she was dead. So she became this 
cursed demon looking thing that kind of follows him around and protects him even against his own will and is willing to harm anyone who tries to cause him harm or makes him mad or that he hates or whatever. And so, yeah, he's been living with this for a while. And his answer to that was to be secluded. That's kind of like his thing is yeah. that I don't want to be and anyone. I'm happy that to some degree this uh, gets cleared up because when I was watching it, you know, you're at you're on the impression that like this girl died. She was just like a, a completely normal girl that was in yeah. love with her childhood friend. She dies and then she ends up becoming like essentially like a ghost, like haunting him right. and cursing him. And um, but she's like the most powerful fucking curse on the planet. Like yes. she's OD powerful. And I was like, like, why is she so like, why the fuck is she right. so strong? That doesn't make like, sense. That doesn't make any sense. Yes. And I was but wondering the same thing, too. Gets, like, why would it? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Go ahead. It gets answered, as me and Frazier already said, that he's Gojo's cousin. So he's part of one of the three great <laughs> clans. He's uh, I forget what they said. The, the name of the clan was. Oh, I will never this, get it right. It was something long, though. Yeah. So he's one of the three great clans. He's a distant relative of Gojo. And so as we know from Gojo, if he's a relative like he's broken he must have like a ton of spirit energy or yeah whatever. he has a ton of cursed energy because gojo comes from whatever clan has the eyes and i guess that they're the strongest but gojo is like an anomaly anyway uh from what we oh, understand dude like, I, he, I do love the one part when uh they show they show gojo talking to fucking central 46 or whatever yeah and um oh yes they're saying like you know we're gonna kill him or whatever like you know he, yeah. he let freak out again and then gojo says like he basically is like walking out. He's got his glasses on. He was like, "Just know if you kill him, like if you go against him, you go against me." Or yeah, something like that. Yeah, he took the glasses down, <laughs> and you just saw the eyes. And uh, I thought that I rewinded it because I couldn't believe that he actually threatened them like that. Yeah, he was like, "Just so you know, like if you go against him, you're going against yeah, me." He and said, "If it like, comes to if it comes to that, I'm siding with him." Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what he said. That's what he said. <laughs> I was said. like, "Oh shit, is that a threat?" <laughs> but then I think later on they kind of clarified that too. It's, it it seems like he meant I'll I'll die with him. So if you kill him, you actually have to kill me too. And then at that point, the world will just fall to shit. Because later on, he says, "Hey, by the way, he could just be saying this to the kid, uh, to Yuda." But later on, after Yuda releases uh, Rika, when he goes on his first mission with uh, Maki, he tells him, "Okay, you're going on a mission with Inumaki this time, and this time you have to not let her out. If she does come out." Uh, we got lucky the first time that she went back in or whatever, and she didn't do too much harm. But if she comes out this time, me and you are both going to die. Yeah. So that comes after he made that threat to Central 46. And I was like, oh, maybe that's what he meant. Like, if you kill this boy, you also have to kill me because I'm not accepting living if you're going to kill a child like that. So that's kind of what I interpret as. But then again, it could mean because he did show the eyes and I was like, well, why would you be why would you be doing that? Um, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. not planning to attack them, but like he could zero diff anyone. So, yeah, you know, Gojo is one of the things that I don't like about JJK JJK story. It's uh, I always have to make this complaint, but same problem with uh, Baruto is that Naruto and Sasuke exist. And as long as those two characters are around, Pretty much nothing can happen unless you make up some bullshit, and they've been making up a ton of bullshit. They so, have, dude. I've been hearing so. I've heard 
so much nonsense about like i want to read it just because like yeah i know space, you like to do that type of thing too there's fucking space dinosaurs now like oh yeah sasuke's sounds, fighting dinosaurs raptors it sounds so stupid like, bro i watched a clip of sasuke so one arm sasuke literally kunaiing a bunch of velociraptors and they are attacking him and he's having like a hard time he's like oh the hide is tougher than i thought and i'm thinking to myself <laughs> This man can calm down a thunder fucking unicorn to attack and destroy an entire, like, temple, okay? This man can shoot out fire from his mouth. He can pierce anything with lightning. He can make fire that burns for all eternity until he calls it off. Like, why is he fighting dinosaurs? I don't know, but it makes me want to read it because it sounds so dumb. We're opposites in that regard. It <laughs> makes me just want to completely trash it and talk shit on it constantly, as I always do. But because, I'd like to know what happened so I can talk shit specifically. Yeah, more accurately, yeah. Because <laughs> I, I just throw out whatever information I saw in the clip, like, out of context. Like, oh, Sasuke's just fighting raptors now and almost losing. So, it's bullshit, but that's what you have to do when you make characters too strong, but you don't know what to do with them, and you don't know how to kill them. So, Gojo is an issue because... He is already declared as the strongest jujitsu sorcerer in the entire verse. And apparently, that is a fact. That is not something that he just said. That is not something that's like, oh, but later on, Itadori, like, no, it's Gojo. It always will yeah, be Gojo. Yeah. He is the actual strongest. And that is a fact, right? So with him around, and they do this a lot, but with him around, you can't really feel too much fear for any of the characters. Now, I noticed that in Jujutsu Kaisen really early on, he gets sent on these random missions and stuff where he's just out of town when bad things happen. And I mean, I, I, it makes sense if you think about it and that, you know, the world's a big place. And so is. they probably send him like there's probably really important missions or stuff that we're obviously we're not privy to that he has to go deal with. That's more important. But it's always the, convenient, it, though. I hate it from a writing standpoint. Right. It's awfully convenient that whenever something is going down, Gojo is nowhere to be found. And it's kind of silly. Now, you know, the anime, they give us some. uh some just do with him because there is a point in towards the end of the first season where something is going down with that plant demon looking curse. Yeah. And Gojo does come out of nowhere and fucking shoots purple and red at it and makes blue or something. It's some wild shit he does. He combines blue and red and makes purple. Yep. And uh, it obliterates like half of that thing's body and like half of the city and all this other shit. And it's really, really cool. But for the most part, he's not around when things are going down. Oh my God. He's too this strong. is. This is definitely jumping to a random part of the movie, but we're talking about Gojo, and I just thought of it, so I'm bringing it up. The fuck? I was not ready. I mean, obviously, he would be able to do this. I was not ready for Gojo to throw hands like Rock Lee. Oh, yeah. He, he yes, was he fought throwing absolutely random hands. black guy. Yo, when he fought the token black guy, he beat shit down his legs and miguel was like I, in his head he just kept saying i just have to last another 10 minutes and i was like there's no fucking world where you're <laughs> lasting 10 more minutes after what you this was after he just got pummeled by the way so he's like i have to last 12 minutes and then gojo turns up on him for no reason at all and just starts <laughs> fucking his shit up in taijutsu i think the guy miguel even says he knows taijutsu too he's this good at close combat and he just nope. starts fucking his shit up and apparently two minutes pass because after he gets his ass beat miguel's like all right, so I need to only last 10 more minutes. And I was like, after what just happened, there's no way you're making it 10 more minutes of that. Like, like there's no world. He beat the absolute shit out of him and didn't even really use, like, any of his crazy no, there powers. Was, there was none of his Just straight beat the balls off. Uh, my issue, though, with Gojo going to different places and uh, helping out is that he also could control space and time. And mm -hmm. he literally teleported the kids 
in this movie. He's also teleported yeah. in season one, episode nine, I think it was, when he's training Itadori. He teleports to go get Itadori and bring him back to fight this, de- or watch him fight this this curse. The fucking yeah, to teach him. Yeah, just to show him, like the kid is watching movies in his in his living room, and uh, he teleports, goes to grab him, and comes back. So he literally could control space and time to a degree, which is we don't know the extent of that, but it seems like right now, it seems like it is just just that simple. Like he 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 teleported Panda and someone else. He teleported it's, them uh, to Inum- Inumaki. I think okay. His name he, is. he teleported Inumaki and Panda to wherever Maki and Yuta were because he realized that Ghetto, his childhood best friend, or not childhood, but like his teenage best friend at Jinju High, he teleported them to the school because he realized that Ghetto was nowhere to be found, which means that he's probably actually going after Yuta. And this also doesn't make much sense to me because the real threat is Ghetto. He knows that. Like, he knows that Ghetto is the strongest out of everyone around. No matter how many curses are around, Ghetto is the real issue. So for Gojo to say, okay... I'm going to stay here and not deal with the actual problem, which he could nullify in seconds. I, I don't yeah. like that. He's I the strongest they, and he doesn't, he doesn't nullify things as fast as he should. I think they sort of explain that, uh, but they don't do it directly. I think what happens is cause he's there at, uh, the night parade right. and then he's looking for ghetto. He's looking, he's like, you know, with how cocky he is, like he should be here and he's, Confuses the why Ghetto's not there, and then some random comes up and tells Gojo information. And now they they obscure the information from us. We don't get to hear it. And then that's when he sends Panda and Inumaki. And at the time, we don't know why. And it's like, why wouldn't he just go himself? Um, but it gets revealed later. That he because uh, Ghetto says when he sees Gojo, like, oh, like you're not as nice as like you're pretty mean or whatever. Like you sent those kids on purpose to get injured on purpose in order to draw out Rika and draw out uh, Yuta's power. Um, and like you sent them to me to get injured on purpose or something like that. Yeah. And Gojo, Gojo said, I just trust that you wouldn't kill. Yep. Uh, that part I did like sorcerers. because it makes sense. Once you understand Guto's character later on, they revealed that he is a hardcore racist against people who are not. Uh, I guess you would call it racist. I wouldn't. I wasn't sure what to call it. I mean, I guess it is just as simple as calling it racism. It gets the point across. There's a couple reasons um, why I call it racist because I noticed that again. This is another thing that I'm seeing a lot in Japanese anime and culture. But monkey is definitely used for racism a lot, and we don't have to go any <laughs> further than just Frieza. Good old right? Frieza. Good, Good old Frieza was the child. All of us as children grew up with Frieza calling Saiyans monkey, and so as soon as I heard. Ghetto using monkey as a term to describe muggles. And if you don't know what muggles are, that's a Harry Potter reference. Uh, people who are not able to use magic at all are called muggles and are considered disgusting by certain people in the wizarding world. So Ghetto is a sorcerer and he hates non cursed energy users. He hates anyone who doesn't have cursed energy. They can't use it at all. They're not a sorcerer. So he hates Maki because Maki is a descendant of the Zenin clan. And Which is one of the three great clans. She's one of the three great clans, but she, for some reason, was just born without the ability to use curse energy to see curses or anything. The bare minimum to be a jiu-jitsu sorcerer is that you can at least see curses. She can't even do that without glasses. So yep. he hates her. He's disgusted by her. He calls all of them monkeys. He calls her a monkey. And he, he will kill anyone who's not a jiu-jitsu sorcerer. Like, he will just kill you. Um, but he won't do that. It seems like at least without some big reason, he won't do that to people who are actually sorcerers. He has a kind yeah. of a soft spot. So he's like Magneto too. 
there's a lot of characters throughout. Yeah, yeah, he's similar to Magneto in that way. Yeah, he he kind of wants a utopia like Magneto. That's like one of Magneto's biggest points. Yeah, his his whole uh, his whole thing is that he is frustrated at the fact that like we are we are the top of the food train. Like the the people that have jujitsu energies, they're sorcerers, are the top of the like humans. He says like humans are the top of the food train. Isn't it interesting that they then created gods? Because like they, right? We are the top. We they, they created something above them, and it's like when there already is something above them, and it's us. And yeah. it's like we are the next step in human evolution. And the strong coddling the weak and all this other stuff, it you know stagnates our evolution and our progress. And how amazing would the world be if we actually let humans evolve in the way that we're supposed to? Um, and so that's this whole thing. He doesn't like the fact that. The jujitsu sor- sorcerers have to mostly like almost be in secret a lot of times, and yep. they kind of coddle the regular weak. humanity. And um, you know the way the way the weak treat them, right? Like, and this goes to real life, um, like the Salem witch trials, right? You have a a group, you have a community that uh, they think that witches exist, witches don't exist, but they think witches are real and that witches have all these crazy powers, and so the the whole village bands together to kill whoever they think is a witch because that witch has magic powers and can do crazy shit stuff that humans can't do humans fear anything that they don't understand mm-hmm. and this is real you know like Kenny said this is actually a real thing in the sense that i think it's been shown whenever we don't understand something salem witch trials is a great example we tend to try to harm it for some reason that's like our natural disposition to anything that we don't understand mm-hmm. so yeah They've been persecuted for being different, for being, I guess, weirdos, uh, sorcerers, I mean. And I get it. Like, I would be scared of, for example, in X-Men Mutants, some of them look scary, right? Like, you see, was it Nightcrawler? You see Nightcrawler. Yeah, yeah. Or you see Beast, and you might be actually terrified of them visually. Like, if I saw Nightcrawler in real life, you couldn't convince me that that's not a demon or something that wants to kill me. Oh, look yeah. At him. Like, he looks scary. But, yeah, it is a fucked up thing about... Just how we are, we're we're not willing to even try to get to learn something that Yeah. They do like a brief bit of backstory, very brief for like the two girls, they're like fifteen yeah. and they're fighting and they're like uh the one guy is like, you know, how old are you? And like she says, like, we're fifteen, and he's like, Oh, like, you know, you don't even realize what the world is yet, or blah blah blah. And she says, like, don't tell us about right and wrong. And we see them as like kids, like, you know, yeah. seven years old or whatever, and they're like in a jail cell. And they're being treated like shit by this community. They they lived in like the sticks, um, just like a really remote area. And they were treated like shit, I guess, because it was realized that they had like these weird powers. And so the regular people just like kind of beat on them and threw them in a cage and like didn't let them live normal lives until Ghetto came and saved them. Yeah. Yeah. Ghetto hates he hates the way sorcerers are treated by humans. And again, this is Magneto. This is, I won't, I can't say that this is Frieza, but this is a lot of fantasy characters when they have these ideas of a utopia that exists with the stronger race being in charge and then the weaklings, the regular humans. Like, why should you guys be able to make all the rules? Why should you guys be the ones that we're protecting? If we just get rid of all of you, there will just be a society of sorcerers and nothing else. And that's the mm-hmm. ideal world that Ghetto wants to live in. So that's what he's trying to accomplish in order to accomplish that because right now Gojo is a problem, obviously. He can't beat him. And it's known. So he needs power. And so what he's been doing is collecting curses. His actual ability, he's a special grade, and apparently there's only four of them. So 
this movie did a lot of world building for Jujutsu Kaisen in general. Um, I didn't know that there were only four special grades out there, uh, but he is one of them. So Geto was one of them. There's only 16 special grade curses, apparently. So, yeah. so there's four humans, I guess, or not humans, but there's four Jujutsu Sorcerers that are special grade. And I, I don't know if he was counting Yuta in that number, because Yuta is considered special grade. But there's... Yeah, I'm guessing it was before... My guess is maybe it was before Yuta, but maybe not. It's hard to say. Yeah, it's hard to say, just because of the translation and the way it was worded. But he said, did you know that there's only four special grades? And then I'm one of them. So Geto was one of them. Uh, Gojo is obviously another one. And I don't know who the other two would be, but Yuta's one now, too. So there's like four of those. And then there's like 16 curses. Rika... Is apparently one of them, right? So Rika is one of the sixteen special, special grade level curses, uh, and yeah, special grades are a big deal. In fact, they make such a big deal about it because when Maki sees his student ID, she was asking him like, "Hey, what what grade are you, Yuta? Like, what what are you? You're probably grade four, which is the weakest level, and then it goes all the way up to grade one and then special grade." She said, like, "You're probably grade four realistically because you're a first year. You just started. You're you're weak. You're terrible. Whatever." And then yeah. when she sees his actual ID card, it says special grade on it. She's like, is this a fucking joke? Am I a yeah, joke to like, you? How the fuck is this possible? She's like, am I a joke to you? Like, he just started. Literally, we're all first years, which this this kind of gives you context into how much of a prequel this is. Because I think when Itadori starts at Juju High, they're like second year. Like, he's, he's the first yeah. year, and they're second years or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, this is like, a, I guess it's a year at least a year plus before the original story starts or before the anime starts. Cause you said the manga starts with this whole thing anyway. But, uh, yeah, yeah. From what I heard. Yep. From what yeah. I've seen. Cause I, yeah, I haven't read the manga myself. So by the way, I don't know anything about the manga. So for people listening to this, uh, I know that there's a ton of shit that goes down in a manga that is probably hype and crazy, but I don't know any of it. Same thing with chainsaw, man. Like, I don't know what happens in the future. I'm still interested to know what Maki must. Yeah. I'm just is. gonna, just gonna wait for, uh, the anime. anime yeah because people keep talking like, about the shibuya incident arc and i'm like i don't know what that is but i don't want to know what that is they're like that's when it gets really good because i was complaining about season one Jujutsu i've, I've been hearing season. the same thing right the jjk gets a lot better and that the storyline gets a lot better and the writing is like really really good and all yeah. of that i'm excited for like i if yeah. that's true that's cool like I, you know yeah i don't I just, want anybody's I just don't show to not be good but yeah i could go read the manga but JJK's anime because the saving grace of season one is that it looks amazing. Oh, it looks brilliant. So I figure like season one was good because of how amazing it looked and yeah. it was it made it really fun to watch. And I did enjoy the characters, but ultimately I didn't think the story was like anything to write home about. If the story does end up getting better and it also has amazing animation, well then I'm just gonna wait. Like while why spoil myself reading the manga? Yeah. Like I can That's just the wait same thing we do with Demon Slayer. Anime. So this is not a foreign concept to people who listen to this podcast. Like I think they got the idea by now that me you and I, while we read certain things like we read My Hero, we read One Piece, uh when Naruto was out, we read that probably bleach stuff yeah. like that but then there's certain things like the newer class of anime has just been so good in terms of animation that a lot of it i don't even want to read nor do i really have the time to so i don't yeah. mind i don't mind just watching the anime when it comes out it also gives us something to talk about for the podcast yeah there's also just so much to do that's the thing it's like i'd rather just now that said there are some things like for example my hero academia i think my hero academia the animation is really really good as Same. well but when i got current with my hero uh i want to say it was maybe season two i think is really when I, I for both of us yep yeah because i don't think i really started it until season two was out 
uh, maybe I don't a hundred percent remember, but I was like, well, well, I'm not waiting. Like I was in. Yeah, it's like I was like, well, I'm not so waiting. Good. Yeah, Some but that's the thing. JJK didn't do that, right? Like yeah. if JJK season one was absurd, then it made me go, "Well, I can't, I'm not waiting. Like I have to read it." Yeah, because that's, that's like a true. One Piece. At some point, I was like, "Well, I gotta keep. I I have to read it. Like I, I yes. can't wait." So wait, when you when you did One Piece, you watched it first, or did you read it first? What was your initial? Well, I started watching One Piece. Uh, I watched One Piece up until um, Skypea. And then was when that I, current? That wasn't current at the time, though. No, no, was, no that wasn't current at the okay. time. But I was watching it with uh, a friend of mine, and we were watching it together. And then he was just like not really consistent. Like I would keep him like, "Hey, you want to watch One Piece?" And he'd be like, "Oh, not right now." Uh, and he was just like busy. And I, like I was like, "Okay, well, I got tired of waiting." Yep. And then so, but I didn't want to. But like I felt like a scumbag if I just watched it. And so eventually, I was like, "Well, I guess I'll just read it then." <laughs> yeah. I, was like, I'm, I was like i'm fucking tired of waiting yeah and you so i just like I did a loophole and i just fucking read it instead and um and i read and but when i read what when i got current with one piece it was the fishman island arc it was yep that's that's where that's where the manga was so when i got manga current the very first time the manga was at fishman island i wonder where it was when i started reading it because you read it before me um and i read it after you i'm not sure how long after you but i ended up reading it after you and i'm trying to think about where so it's obvious that when i got current and when i started reading it it's it's stretching as it's go like i'm reading it but then it's also going chapters chapters it took a while to catch up obviously because one piece yeah. is so long and when i started reading it well, there were already you like caught up 600 and something chapters out when you caught up didn't you catch up did you catch up during dress rosa or was did you catch up before dress rosa What's before Dressrosa? Punk Hazard. I feel like it was around Punk Hazard because yeah. I actually read all of Dressrosa and I remember saying that this arc is dragging. It got to a point where I was reading it week to week. So Dressrosa yeah, 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 was, dra yeah. Dress was dragging for me. I feel like I caught up to around the time when the islands that was split in half by ice and lava. Yeah, that's Punk Hazard. Yeah, I feel like around that, that, that seems to ring a bell for me. Like something about uh, the two admirals fighting Akainu and Aokiji. Uh, I think that around then is when I caught up. Like it was around that yeah, yeah, area. Yeah. It wasn't quite dress like dress rose. I don't think started officially yet. But I think that yeah. I was probably <laughs> close to dress rose. So whatever year that was. But I, I read One Piece in like six months, and it, it did the thing. Like you said, it was just too good to not read it a lot. Like I've seen a couple yeah, of fights. Yeah. I've seen things in one piece. I've seen gear second before I actually knew what it was. Um, just cause like clips and stuff like that you'd see. And I'd be like, Oh, that's not, this still, still doesn't look like it's for me. I didn't know anything. I was ignorant, but yeah, one piece was too good to just not read the whole thing. And my hero, same thing. Re watching my hero. I started off watching it and Dang. it was so outrageously good that I was like, Holy shit, I have to read this now because it was just that good. So sometimes that does happen, but with JJK, like it's very generic um, and it also looks really, really good. So with the generic storyline with Chainsaw Man and JJK and even Demon Slayer is pretty generic of a storyline. I uh, I've decided that I'm just gonna I'm just gonna watch these when they come out, and it yeah. actually adds to the excitement level when I'm watching because I genuinely don't know where it's going. Yeah, it does. I think the only off the top of my head, or it might be different. The only anime I can think of that I've watched that got me so absurdly excited. 
but I didn't read the manga as Attack on Titan. Like Attack on Titan, for all intents and purposes, and yeah. any other example, I would have just went and read the manga. Yeah, like, you I'm tried not... though. We did try. Yeah, yeah. We well, stopped. I mean, we just we I... just stopped. Yeah, yeah. The manga is... art is just not. It's not. It's just me. not the same. Because like I'm not to say that it's bad, but. The animation and the artwork, and then and then the soundtrack of Attack on Titan yes. is so fucking good. Oh my god! Good. Yes. And reading the manga is just like I just don't want to do it. Like I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna wait. Like especially now that Attack on Titan happens. Like when Attack on Titan went MIA for five years, it's like well, <laughs> it might never, it might never come back. Like, yeah, you well, have to read to the manga. That. Yes. Yeah, you and I did read the manga for Attack on Titan for a little bit, but it, the, there's a couple things wrong with it. The the actual art style is not, I don't really like it, I don't think you like it either, but then on top of that, uh, it's a month-to-month manga. And, yeah, yeah, it's hard to I, keep up with. I don't do well with month-to-month mangas. I don't know why, but I I did, I won't lie, I did make an attempt to like get into Baruto. And once I realized that that shit was a month-to-month, I just stopped caring. I was like, okay, so this is a no for me because Naruto was a week-to-week. Yeah, yeah. And and one piece is week to week so i do i do much better with week to week it's much easier to keep up with but when you do month to month first of all what fucking day of the month does it come out i never know I, and that may be yeah my that's, own laziness. A rant. that's a I rant i never know what day of the month it comes out so whenever i ended up seeing it it would always be like oh a week or two after it actually came out and i'm yeah, like oh shit even this was out that's fair though right because like if it's a weekly it's like it comes out saturday it comes yes. out wednesday right yep. but like if it's a monthly, it's like, does it come out every 15th or does it come out the third Saturday of the month? Like, yeah. when the fuck does it come? Like, it's so random. Yeah, it's really random when it comes out. So I don't I don't do well with that. But yeah, Jujutsu Kaisen, it, it looks beautiful in this movie. The crazy thing is this movie looks just like the anime. That's how good the anime looks itself, though. That's like a testament yeah. because before anime movies used to look special they used to look like oh my god the animation on this movie version like bleach and dragon ball z the, the animation on movies was so much higher than the actual anime and now i really didn't see a difference when i was watching the jjk movie and the actual anime they look exactly yeah. the same like this movie has some really really cool scenes but and maybe this this is just a testament how dope the scene is it's none of those scenes were as cool as uh itadori and um Oh, What's Nami? his name? Uh, when they were fighting the plant, the plant monster, oh, like okay, that okay. is still like oh, Toto. that is still my a- oh, Toto. My yeah, God, that, that is still my part. absolute like. Yes, when they were like sliding on the fucking the vines, yeah, and then clapping and they like reversing places on all that and doing with that black that flash shit. technique. Oh Very my cool. god, that was sick. That was sick. Yes, but that's crazy though that we're, we're able to say in 2023 animation has gotten so good especially mappa i think mappa is behind a lot of the high animation stuff that we see they do um, a lot of good shit yeah yeah mappa's up there I, one of the best the only thing i hold against mappa is that they were smoking absolute crack when they uh when they decided attack on titan's fucking schedule for the final season yes oh is that the behind that, attack on titan i think it's mappa yeah i think you're and right. they were just like i don't know what they were doing i i just i don't like whatever we talked about it they were yeah. on. They were smoking dick, though. <laughs> I, yeah, I agree. Whoever the marketing team is on Attack on Titan is doing a terrible job, and it sucks because the actual content is amazing, but the scheduling is really bad. The thing about Jujutsu Kaisen that I, I want to say, because you brought up the music of Attack on Titan, and I realize, so that's obviously missing from the manga, and that's missing from every manga ever. There's no actual soundtrack. There's no, you know, yeah, there's no actual soundtrack for mangas. But when you watch the anime for Attack on Titan, a big part of what makes the show so good and so tense 
is actually the music. And mm-hmm. I'm noticing that Attack on Titan is kind of in a league of its own when it comes to that. Because I don't think of JJK's music at any point as being something that's like, holy shit, this music right here is really cool. Not off the top of my head. That could just like, be I'm me. sure. But like, there's no point in JJK season one or this movie where the music specifically was something that made me like, yeah. my palms start sweating and all that. Like, no, that didn't happen. I agree. Because that... Because, for example, excuse me, I'm yawning. <laughs> My bad, I just woke up. Um, but, for example, uh, One Piece has some absolute banger songs, like the Straw Hat Strut. Yeah. Like, when the Straw Hat Strut song comes on, like, it, it is an on, it is on. Uh, My Hero Academia has some amazing fucking songs. Oh my god, um, you say run and- is still... That is still you, just like... You that say gets run gets going. too fucking high. Yes. Like, it is. So... There are anime that have uh, music that like really gets you there. For JJK, uh, and not to say that the music's not good, it's just that at the moment I don't really remember it. Yeah, it doesn't really stick out to me. Even with even with Demon Slayer, there's only one particular song that that really got me, and that's the song of Kamado Tanjiro, right? Like episode nineteen yeah, yeah, when yeah, he yeah, first yeah, does yeah. Hino Kami Kagura. At the end of the episode, when he says, "I will never let anyone take my sister away." And yeah. like it goes to the ending credits, and you see his mom holding the kids and everything. Yeah, I started literally tearing there up. There was basically a crying. huge amount of emotion and everything, like baked yes. in. Like it was so much more than just the song. The song was like it tied together all this emotion and like his father and yeah. the family, and like we know that his whole family's dead. Yes, and that shit there was like damn near cry. There was so much woven into that. And that that's the song was beautiful, but then it made the whole moment even more beautiful. Yes. So um, there are moments in certain anime where the music is like a big driving force of why it's good. JJK yeah. hasn't had that moment yet where the music is like, holy shit, that soundtrack was amazing right here. Or this was like oh, something that I want to play back. Even more so, I think this was this movie, unless it was another anime I watched. The start of the movie, the start of the movie, like, had like a open like the music at the intro of the movie was like which movie we're talking about the jjk zero okay i I think it's this if i'm wrong i i've watched a couple different anime recently but i think it was the jjk zero movie but the music was like really like chill and then out of nowhere it was like fucking random like it just yeah it like a guy was just like really loud and like oh yeah he was speaking english he was singing in he was singing in english in the beginning like it started off like like a chill song and it sounded nice and then it was just like yo double 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 like it was just yes. like and then know, he just started speaking english happened. out of nowhere and yeah. i know that in japanese they love to uh mix in english i guess that that just sounds cool to them the same way yeah, i think well. that japanese voice acting sounds cool to us it never sounds so being an american being an english speaker is my first language and really the only language that i speak uh when i hear people in japanese sing in english when it's a female it sounds really really nice sometimes Mm-hmm. The, the the males though i i don't <laughs> i don't really see it for them like the, the the song kenny's talking about at the beginning of the jjk movie i wasn't like i don't go up for that song in fact i barely remember it until kenny brought it up but yeah i forgot times, about it too but that shit i was like what is happening with my hero though there's a there's a song in my hero that's really emotional it's when he has eri on his back and mm-hmm. he's fighting against uh over what's it called? What's that guy overhaul. called? Overhaul. Overhaul. He's fighting against Overhaul, and they play this really, really sad version of You Say Run, basically. It's called uh U Plus Might, I think, something like that. That song 
is so fucking emotional, but it's mostly in English. Mm. Like it's she's the, it's it's a woman singing, and it is so emotional that literally there have been times when I turn the volume all the way up, I close my doors, and I just listen to it, and it makes me like super emotional as I'm doing something else. Like I'll just be yeah, I don't know, like sorting cars or something. But I'll play that song, and it just really gets me in my feels. The same thing, a song that I keep going back to from Kingdom Hearts is a. Uh, Shion's theme, I think I don't I don't know if that's oh how you, my God. that fucking song is so good. There's a video on YouTube that I have favored. I barely favored anything on YouTube. Like I never really use that function, but I used it for like two things and or like add to a playlist or whatever. I forget exactly what it is, but I, I've used that function to like save something where I can go back to it uh whenever I feel like it. And that theme from Kingdom Hearts, when I tell you, is like the absolute best thing I've ever heard. My ears have never heard anything better than that. Like, it is that good to me. Shion's theme is really, really just heartbreaking. It's, it's just it is heart- literally heartbreaking. Oh. Literally heartbreaking. That is that is the way to describe that shit. Like, at my funeral, if I want everybody to cry, I yeah, will tell yeah. whoever's, whoever's alive in my will, like, play this theme as people are walking to the casket. Like, oh, this is, no. This, yeah, I'm, not, like, I'm not going. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> like, I want people to cry if I play that. Like, that. tell them to put this on. Anyway, not to get all morbid and shit, but... Uh, yeah, so, this movie, definitely uh, better than I thought initially, because when I first saw it, I fell asleep on it. I thought that it wasn't that good, but obviously that's not a fair assessment to make when you didn't really see most of it. I thought I missed, like... Again, I thought I legit missed, like, three minutes, and I missed a fucking hour of content, minimum. I didn't see... I literally don't recall seeing the part where Yuta went out with two different people. So, he, uh, let's talk about... He goes out with Maki, and they go to rescue these two kids. So, mm-hmm. Gojo tells them, bring back the two kids, either, you know, if they're alive, then bring them back, you know, hopefully in full form. And if they're yeah. dead, bring back their bodies. That way, at least there can be some closure for the parents. So... Mm-hmm. When they arrive at the school, she explains that this is a, a typical place where curses form because there's a lot of emotions, like high emotions at schools, a lot of resentment. And that's true when I think about it, because my time at school wasn't like the best. I have a lot of resentment towards yeah. school in general. And I don't hold that still as an adult, but like I definitely was a kid who wasn't a popular. I liked Yu-Gi-Oh! I liked DBZ. I liked a lot of things that were considered when we were younger nerd and it was considered nerdy. It made you a weirdo um yeah i think most kids it, i do like what they did they set up they were like it's like schools hospitals like places where there's a lot of bad memories yeah and bad feelings is like a breeding ground for curses yes just world building there and i, I like you said i like the concept of that i guess graveyards are probably another place that we just thought off the top of our yeah, head yeah. maybe churches because people go to churches and they start at least in baptist churches that i've been to they cry really hard and they get crazy on Sundays, like right now we're recording this on a Sunday. I'm sure there are people like crying and shouting in churches, a lot of emotions. So curses probably form in those places a lot. But she explains that, and naturally he had a bad experience at school, so he can relate. Uh, but they get attacked by this fucking gigantic blue curse. And size doesn't really matter in JJK. Like you being big doesn't make you powerful as far as curses go. So as they're being attacked, they get swallowed by it. And Maki starts to faint. She's like, just because you're resistant to curses, he's not affected at all. This is yeah, how you notice some. This is how you know something is wrong with him, though. Or when I say wrong, that he, I mean that he's broken. That he's not regular, because they're standing in the stomach of this curse. The two children are literally dying. Mm-hmm. Maki is starting to waver and pass out. Like she's literally wobbling as she's standing. She's like, 
just because you're resistant doesn't mean that everybody is. And as she says that, you notice that she's sweating real bad and shit. Uh, so she goes to pass out and he's like, okay, I don't want to lose my friends. I don't want to lose these kids and stuff. So he calls Rika and that fucking curse comes out and rips this thing apart and grabs the curse by the head, slams it into the school and starts pummeling it and ripping it to pieces. Yeah, it brutalizes it. Yes. Literally brutalizes it. So that, that scene is crazy. And so he's far away from it. You can see Rika in the background just fucking this curse up for no reason. And the curse is like, why are you doing this to me? Like, why are you hurting me like this? And uh, yeah, so that's like that's like a big moment in the movie when you see the power of this thing. Because that's when it first manifests completely. Before that, it only kind of came out in small bits. Yeah. I think when they yeah, first he... introduced him to the students, it comes out when they, they all go to attack him in a way. Or not really attack him, but to subdue him. Yeah, they're like, oh, we're graduating, so I gotta kick your ass one more time. Yes. So when No, are you talking about I'm talking about when the sorcerer when, when he when he meets them. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah he yeah, meets yeah, Panda, yeah. Inumaki, and uh, Maki. This, these names. But yeah, he meets them and they're like, You're fucking cursed, kid. So they all pull out their weapons and shit and they kinda they kinda put him up against the chalkboard, but then Ruk, uh, Rika comes out and she grabs Maki's weapon. And Gojo says, you guys might not want to attack him. <laughs> like, you could just die. So it's really funny how Gojo, he just always intervenes at the right moment and just says exactly what needs to be said, but he doesn't really do much outside of that. Uh, but yeah, Rika forms completely when he's out on his expedition with Maki. And you see how big she can get. Her size differs, but that's what I'm, that's kind of what my point was. Rika can be very small at times. Like throughout this movie, the size that it takes is completely different all throughout. Yeah. It can get really big, like it did in this scene in this scene. And it can be really small. It doesn't matter though. The power of the fucking creature is ridiculous. Yeah, she's absurd. Um she's absurd. So yeah, they do that. And then the second outing is when he goes out with Inumaki and uh his curse speech, and this is pretty cool. One thing that frustrates me about Inumaki is that He's a fucking, he's got one shot in his tank. Like he, I got, yeah, and this seems... happens in the anime too. Like everybody's like, like he seems so strong and like he, he's able to do usually more than one, but it feels like so, like he says a thing and then like so quickly is he like, he needs his throat medicine and stuff. Yeah. He starts coughing up blood. Uh, it reminds me of Jean Grey back in the old X-Men cartoon, the nineties cartoon where she would be doing something with her psychic powers and it, Almost immediately, she'd be like, I can't hold it any longer. Yeah. That used to always bother me. I hated that. I hated that. They would say that Jane Grey is like an Omega level mutant, and she's so powerful, and she's she can do all these crazy feats, and she's actually stronger than Professor Xavier in reality. And then every time you see her in the fucking cartoon, she does something. She lifts one thing to save somebody. She's like, oh, I can barely hold it. Quick. It's like, what the yeah, fuck? Yeah, You're supposed yeah. to be so strong. And every it's time it comes down to you actually performing, you get one. So he does get one shot. You know, Mikey literally gets one shot, basically. And then he's like coughing up blood and his voice, his throat is sore. Yeah. So that's a way to nerf him because apparently he's really powerful. Like, apparently he is ridiculous. He comes from a, I think he comes from one of the great houses, too. And uh, the cursed speech users, they call him or some shit. But they yeah. make a they make a big deal about him. I actually like him a lot, but I wish that he could actually speak because you don't get real character development from somebody who can only say things that go on sushi. Yeah, I, I think it's a it's a cool concept and that like basically his words have like literal curses in them. And um so he has to be very careful with what he says because he could accidentally just like kill you in a normal conversation. Yes. So in order to avoid that, he just says like sushi ingredients because like nothing can go wrong 
in that aspect. But so I, I do think it's a really cool concept for a character. It is unfortunate because it makes it really hard for character development. Um, yes, because like, we don't know what he's ever saying outside of when he actually says crush or, you know, explode. I think he says yeah. explode in this movie. Every time he's in a scene, I think it's dope. Like his power is so cool to me. And the fact that it always works on somebody really powerful too. Like he does it on Ghetto. And it was yeah. crazy because he sent Ghetto when he tried to, sent them to basically the fucking Earth's core. Like he sent, he put up a whole, he said plummet. And there was yeah. this gigantic fucking crater. He definitely did damage. And that's the other thing. I think that, I think that two things happen. I think one, the, the, the stronger the command, it takes a bigger toll on him. Yes. Like if he, and two, I think the stronger the person he uses the command on. Because when he said plummet the ghetto, he like, um, after doing that, nothing hit him. He immediately coughed up like a gallon of blood. Like yeah. he told ghetto to plummet and then he was like, Bleh, and like coughed up a bunch of blood. And my guess is that because of the amount of power he put into it and how strong ghetto is, it took so much out of him that he fucking had that big uh, backfire or whatever. Yes. So, yeah. The Inomaki character is really cool. And so when Yuta and him go out, the first thing that he does, because he kind of leaves Yuta for a second, he's like, what the hell is he doing? Because he's in a convenience store, it looks like, in an abandoned convenience store in a mall. And he goes in, and he's looking for throat medicine. And he's like, what is he doing? He's like, oh, okay, that's interesting. He grabbed throat medicine. And so then, while they're exercising a bunch of curses, this special grade appears, or some kind of, not special, but like a high-level one. Yeah. And they were told that it was just going to be a it was going to be a bunch of low level curses, nothing too crazy that they could absolutely handle on their own. But when they get there, a couple things happen. There's a second veil put over the mall so they can't escape. And then there's this crazy looking curse that appears behind them. That is a lot stronger than the little baby ones that they were dealing with. And when it first appears, it makes this like beam of light appear that attacks you. Yeah. And so Inomaki pushes Yuta out the way, but then his finger gets fucked up as a result. And then he turns and says like twist or something to it. And you see that thing kind of get twisted up on one side of its body. Uh, and essentially what ends up happening is it gets really tense because they realize that Inomaki's power was not enough to just solo it, but like at least in that moment because his throat was fucked up already. Yeah. And so at this point, Yuta has to make the decision to go in on his own. So he takes his katana, which he's told to imbue Rika's power into the katana and not let it all come out into its actual physical form because that form can do a lot more damage to the surroundings and to people. It could kill friend and foe all the same. So he's told to imbue it in his sword. He's been practicing that. And we get to see him actually use the sword against this whatever rank curse that he's fighting. And so he does a couple cool things where he's like, dodging really quickly he slides under it at one point he slashes at it but at the end of the day he's not able to actually kill it so what he does do is he manages to get the throat medicine that it kind of uh it dropped off of inomaki's body and he throws it back at inomaki and when inomaki gets it he takes it really quick and then he says like crush or something and it just yeah, absolutely just absolutely that's something that's interesting is like i do wonder does he know to some degree like his limit in that because when he said for example, his throat was already a little sore. So the first command he said at the guy was twist. And although it looked really cool and, and crazy, it obviously wasn't as deadly, I guess. I mean, like, it just maybe he knows like he said twist because like his throat already hurt. And so there's right. a limit to what commands he can maybe give. Because like when he drank the throat medicine, he 
he just like one shot it. He yes, he yeah. I think that you're right though. I think he does know the the level of power that each word has, but he might not know how much is needed to kill a specific curse. So when he said twist, I think that he expected maybe that's enough. And yeah. it happened to be like, oh fuck, that's not enough. I should have used something way stronger. So then it's kind of like a feel you out thing, which is actually bad for him because he doesn't get much room for error. It's like you might as well just say something like crush from the beginning or whatever the fuck you yeah, said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if you say twist and that's gonna also leave you incapacitated, then like I'd rather not risk it and just say something crazy from the start. Like, don't say Shine, don't say die. That's but, what I would say. <laughs> yeah, well, we see that later. Oh my god, that scene. I can't wait to get to that part. But yeah, he says like a stronger word and it just one shots the thing. And I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. And then we see that Ghetto was the one kind of behind that whole thing. And then this is where we get some backstory for Ghetto. So there's a couple things this movie reveals. Again, I said that him and Gojo are are friends. They used to be friends, and Gojo says that it was my only friend. Uh, so there's that. The other thing is that we see him doing a kind of shady business where he exercises curses off of people's bodies that have been haunting mm -hmm. them. So this older lady comes with her daughter, and her daughter's been having nightmares. And Gessa says, let me guess, you also feel like you... You're going to be raped at any moment. You feel like something is gripping on your throat and that there's this overwhelming weight on you. And she's like, oh, my God, that's exactly right. How do you know that? And as she's saying this, he's looking at her. And we see it from his perspective. There's this big ass blue curse on her body, literally gripping her throat. It's like groping her and shit. Groping it's her. Weird. And yeah, it, it's actually again rated R. So it, it does want to literally trigger like rape rape her and ghetto calls it out he's like yeah you feel like this is what is happening you have these nightmares about this all the time and so he he absorbs the curse off of her body he like calls it into his hand and then it, it becomes this little orb and then he swallows it and uh she says wow what did you do i feel perfect now like it feels like the weight has been taken off my body and yeah so that, we found that that's his that's his ability he can like consume curses and control them, manipulate them, and use them, and stuff like that. And, and like, and really resummon them, and yeah, all kinds of crazy shit. Yeah, so he's ridiculous, and that's kind of what he does for a business. And so he gets money from that, and then he's which also is cheating, right? Because like he gets, he gets like like real stronger. world resources, right, and money and stuff to like help uh, assist in doing whatever it is he needs to do. But then also, like he's literally just having people deliver curses to him. Like, yes, it's he's broken, doing them actually. a favor, so to speak. But he's just getting more like power every time. Yeah, I, I, I like that. I like that a lot. That they they show how he's gotten so powerful over time by just literally opening up shop and saying, "I'm an exorcist." And everyone who goes to them, they make recommendations, like you saw with the the older lady and her daughter. They make recommendations because it works. It's not like some yep. sham, right? You go to a psychic and they read your palm, and then you're like, "Yeah, none of that was true." Like yeah, literally, yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't actually have a dead uncle who left me a bunch of money. Uh, my aunt is actually she doesn't have cancer or anything like that. Like everything you said was a lie. I just pretended like it was the truth to see how far you'd go, but it was all a lie. He's actually the real deal. So she goes to them. She goes to him and and he exercises the curse and she feels fine. So she's gonna go out and tell other people, hey, I actually went to a guy and they're gonna deliver more curses to him. So it, it works perfectly to like for plot purposes. It's actually great. Uh, but then he that kind of shows his racism towards people who are not jujitsu sorcerers because there's this fat, there's this like fat businessman who, who goes to him and pays him all this money. And I think that he said he ran out of money to donate at some point. He hasn't made a donation in a long ass time, but he still is talking to ghetto in a condescending way. Yeah. Right. Like he's talking shit to him and ghetto is like, all right, 
Like, I don't have to actually deal with you at all. So he summons a bunch of tiny curses and they start pulling at the guy's face until they literally rip him to shreds. And yeah, he was like, there's, I think he says like, there's two kinds of monkeys, monkeys that deliver curses and monkeys that deliver money. And he was like, you deliver money. And if you don't do that anymore, like you're worthless and then killed him. Yeah. And he killed him in a brutal way. So we see that he is willing to just murder regular people. Uh, with reckless abandon, basically, he doesn't really care about them. And they said that the reason why he was actually expelled, they give us context to that too, which I thought was cool. So he was expelled from uh, Jujutsu High because he killed a hundred people, right? I think that's what they said he did. So yeah, he, it's like interesting because we see him in season one and he's kind of like this veiled villain in season one. Like, yep. we see him, we know he's behind shit. But we don't really know much about him. Even at the end of season one, I, I don't feel like we know that much about him. I think and the this we mo- do know is that he's dead. Like, I, I feel like something in season one told me that he wasn't really alive anymore. He wasn't alive like like everyone Maybe. else is. And yeah, I forget it, exactly what part that was in season one. Because I know there's a part where he's in the, uh, he's in a cafe. And he's talking to the one curse that's like uh, the flame curse that ends up fighting Gojo. He's talking mm-hmm. to him and somebody else. And then I think that at some point the flame curse ends up like burning the whole place down or some shit. But I think it gets mentioned even when they're on the beach or when he's in that cafe that he's not alive. Like he's actually dead. Yeah. I might have to rewatch it. But yeah, it's, it's been interesting. A it's been years. Because watching this, it's like also, you know, that the main villain from the movie also in some way survives the movie. Right. Um, and, but yeah, it's interesting because. They we they show them as like teenagers or whatever, or them in school together, and they were best friends. And then it also briefly shows them with the other girl who gets a very small amount of screen time in the movie. But during the night parade, there's like a girl, and uh, I think she's like a cleric essentially. But I don't hundred like she's in the movie for a very small amount. But she is with Gojo and Ghetto in like the flashback, okay, uh, very quickly. But you know they're best friends. Uh, and it's interesting because Gojo still very much cares for Ghetto. Yeah, you like, can tell he has a soft spot for him still. Like, yeah, and I thought the end of the movie was cool when like he was all messed up, and then um, like eventually Gojo like gets the ID from him, and they have like a nice conversation. But when he gives the ID back, he's like, you know, where'd you find it? He's like, oh, I actually didn't find it. My best friend found it. But like, doesn't give any context. Yeah. Like, and it's just like he's literally talking about the guy that just tried to kill you. But okay. Yeah. <laughs> also, I think Gojo is the one who kills Ghetto because he says any last words. Yeah, and then the scene kind of changes. So I, I'm guessing that Gojo delivered the finishing blow. I, the guy was probably going to die anyway in an alleyway after Rika unleashed that ridiculous attack. But he gets like his arm is gone. I think part of his whole side of his body, yeah, from his arm to his shoulder is like completely gone. So he's bleeding out, and this is when he's still alive. So this kind of was a. I remember when I watched this, I said, "Oh shit, he was alive here, and this is how he died." And so in season one, when you see him, he's like already among the, he's like undead or some shit, but somehow he's still able to maintain his physical form and still be, appear as a, as a physical person, but he's actually not really alive in season one. Anyways, so yeah, the Inomaki part was really cool. Uh, and then later on, when Ghetto announces what his plan is, he flies in on this pelican with like four wings. They like fly in on this giant pelican and it opens his mouth and lets out every, lets everybody out and they declare a war. So we have a war, like a mini war arc going on already, but they declare a war on Jiu-Jitsu High. And he's like, listen, I have 2,000 plus curses that I'm going to unleash on a city on the night of a thousand demons, this, this night parade of a thousand demons. This is like some festival or some shit that goes on in Japan, I guess. So in Kyoto 
and like some other place. I'm going to unleash, I think Tokyo and Kyoto. I'm going to unleash thousands of curses and they're just going to slaughter every human around unless yeah, you can stop also, me. He also does like a small misdirect on his power. He says, I have 2,000. I think he says, I have 2,000 curses saved up. I'm going to unleash a thousand of them. Yeah. And then when he's actually fighting um, uh, Yuda. Yeah. He said, I think he mentions he has 4,000 or maybe 6,000. Like, you were right. He says it's a 4, higher 000. number. It's, it's 4,452 or something like that. Yeah. Because he said, I'm going to unleash all 4,452 that I have saved up. Yep, yep. And he does, so, Maelstrom, he does Maelstrom. But yeah, he uh he comes to the school and Gojo's there. So I was like, okay, well, you know, not much can happen here. But the way he ends up getting away after he makes his de- declaration of war is that he has curses surrounding every single student. He's like, all of your students are within my range. So you need to just like back the fuck up and let me go. And Gojo doesn't seem like he, he doesn't say anything about that. He just kind of like doesn't even acknowledge that part and just lets the guy go. And then they're like, okay, so this is going to happen. We need to get a bunch of people involved. So they call on all these different clans, all these different societies, jujitsu society. And then it goes back to Ghetto and his little posse. And he says, okay, everything I said there wasn't really accurate. I don't actually intend to like, wage war on jiu-jitsu high right now because our chance of succeed of succeeding is only like 30 percent he yeah. said if, if, and if this ha- if they get the society involved it goes down to 20 percent he said the real the real goal here is to isolate yuda steal the special grade rika from him and then our our chances go up to 99 percent that we can actually win so he said if i can get that that uh that curse from yuda by killing him because he said they don't actually know my power my real power is that if I kill the person who's attached to a curse, I can absorb the curse no matter what. Mm-hmm. And so his real goal then is to kill Yuda, and that way he can actually gain the power of Rika. And they don't apparently that's not known to Central, Central 46 and the people who actually expelled him. So that's his real goal. And he knows that it's a liability to have Yuda out in the front lines because of Rika's power, because it'll kill a friend and foe all alike. Yep. So he says that they'll probably leave Yuda behind, and I just have to figure out where he is. And once I do that, I can just go and kill him, and then steal. And they do a little, you know, a little animation where they show like chibi characters. And they show like Yuda yeah, yeah, yeah. He kicks, he kicks Yuda off of Rika, right? He kicks him off. And I was like showing him kill him basically, and then you see Rika just standing there, and he goes up, puts his hand out, and then you see Rika come into his hand. I thought that yeah. was a little cute illustration they did. So, so this part of the movie is uh, one of the one of the low points for me and the what happens is fine but there's it's a part where and i had a similar it's like a black clover demon slayer feeling and just like the pacing and like it's a movie so there's only so much you can do but i do feel like it's just like you know and maybe it's clear and i just didn't realize it but it was like some undisclosed time in the future is when this war is going to take place and yeah, then like December the 24th. next scene then like and i don't know what today is so it doesn't matter when december 24th right. is i don't know what today <laughs> is so it's like some undisclosed time in the future is going to be a war and then like the screen turns black and then the war starts and then like there's just like a, a some period of time that has passed because now all of a sudden Yuta's broken and like yes. can thro- like Yuta was like he was powerful and broken because of Rika but now at this time whatever undisclosed amount of time it is he's like broken as fuck and like legit knows what he's doing and can like fight so let's talk about that. So Maki comes out when uh, Ghetto arrives at JJ High, and it's just those two there at the time, before Panda and Inomaki get sent there. Maki's there. He's like, oh, you fucking monkey, get out of my way. 
And so he's zero deaths her off screen. We don't even get to see their fight. He just mm-hmm. the next time you see Ghetto, Maki's on the ground covered in her own blood. Yep. And Yuta is he's kind of doing his thing where he's a little bitch made, so he's all sad about his friends getting hurt and all that stuff. But he gets really angry, like really fucking angry. And Ghetto was happy about this. Ghetto's throwing out attacks and stuff. Inumaki and Panda come. I actually like the fight between Panda and Ghetto. Yo, Panda was going ahead. I love when he's like, oh, there's been a breach in my veil. Uh, and he's like, calculating where the breach was. He's like, It'll, It'll take, take about this- five minutes to get here. Right. And then Panda comes through the fucking ground. He's like, did they break through the buildings to take a straight line? Like, yeah. did they short his path to me? And then Panda amps the fuck up and he rumbles. I like that he has those different forms. So at yeah. first he's fighting his base form. And then there's a part where you just see him come through a bunch of uh, debris and smoke. And he's just in this like the, the scary looking gor- like, gorilla form. I think that is what it yeah. is, right? A gorilla form. He's it, in a gorilla form. That's what I was form. thinking of it as. Yeah. He goes into that form that like beats on his chest and is, is more suited for combat. He starts throwing blows. And at one point he does get a couple good licks out on Ghetto, which was like, okay. So he actually scales pretty decently. But then of course, Ghetto just, you know, Turns up on him. I think he grabs Maki's weapon and throws it through his body. Yeah. And he's like, uh, I I was able to beat you pretty easily. And then he says, he says something. Uh, he says, yeah, he says like, um, yeah, he basically says like, you know, you're really predictable or something. And then Panda says like, that's because like, that's what I wanted you to do. Like, yes. Like I'm being predictable to lead you into this spot right here. And then that's when he's, you know, Maki comes out of nowhere and it says like plummet, and that big ass crater comes out, and then you see the top of Ghetto's head start to get like crushed, and it looked like like honestly, if he wasn't the main antagonist, I would say like that should that should kill him, because yeah, the yeah. way it looked, it was like you literally see his head get like crushed down. Yeah, he got chainsaw manned. He did get chainsaw manned for sure. He definitely got collapsed. But when they the next time you see him, he's basically unharmed, and he continues the fight. He you know. After that, Inomaki starts coughing up blood, so he's out of the fight for the rest of the fight. And Panda also was pretty injured. So then it's up to Yuta to actually yeah, Panda lost his arm. He got a, a spear through his chest and lost his arm. Right. Which so he apparently got, he just regenerates. But yeah, that's how that happened. Yeah, he just regenerates later on. Um, but yeah, so everybody else is out the fight. So now it's up to Yuta to actually do something. And, you know, like Kenny said, I didn't expect that he was going to be this powerful, but he just starts fighting with Rika. In tandem, they're just completely on some Naruto and the non-tailed fox, how it took a while for Naruto to actually gain the respect of Karama and use its power. Yeah, Yuta's already there. So he's just yeah. fighting against him, and Ghetto pulls out this cool... I forget what that weapon is called. It's like a bow staff, but it breaks off into three sections, like a sectional staff. Yeah. He has one of... I love that weapon, by the way. Every time I see it in anything, I love that weapon so much. There's this game I used to play back in the day called Suikoden, and... Yeah. The main character of one of the games that I because there's a bunch of them, but the main character one I played, he uses a, a three prong staff. Yeah, I and, think they just call it the three set a three section staff. Okay. So yes, Ghetto uses that weapon. And there's a part where uh Yuda comes at him from one angle and Rika comes at him from another angle. And you see him, he has like he's blocking Yuda's attack with the sword, and then he also has Rika behind him. He's blocking her attack as well. I was like, holy shit. Like he's actually able to block both of their attacks. At the same time, and he's he's just the way it looks. It looks like a Rochimaru playing around. Yeah, yeah. Like he's not taking either one of them seriously. So I was like, holy shit, he must be really strong. Um, he's he's a problem. Yeah. But even that, even even him not going all the way, and once again, like there was stuff in this movie and like aspects of the plot and stuff that I did like. But 
you know, this is one of the things where I was just kind of like, where exactly am I at in the timeline? Like, how did Yuta, how, like, I, we did have a scene of him training. Like, the one scene of him training with Maki was cool as shit, especially when I love the part where, like, Maki was in the air. He's like, I got her. She's in the air. Oh my and then God. she comes down into a split Bro. and just, like, fucks on him. The cheeks were cheeking, too. Whoever drew yeah, that was. scene, when she dropped down into the split, I was like, damn, why her ass so fat? <laughs> yeah, like, That shit was borderline hentai. Her ass, when she split on the ground, I'm not even, like, a pervert when it comes to women and stuff like that, but, like, when she split on the ground, I could not help but notice the animation on that was, like, really detailed. And yes, the, cheeks, the cheeks were cheeking. She was double-cheeked up on a Tuesday. But, yeah, mm-hmm. she drops into a split. My man misses his attack completely, and then she just fucks him up real quick. And then she hits she him on the head. Him up. And he's like, was that necessary? And she said, actually, it is, because without pain or without the threat of pain, you won't evolve fast enough. So. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like, I don't know what today is. So now that it's December, like, I don't really know how much time passed. I don't know how much you to really train, because now he's like confident. He uh, he has like actual technique and skills like he knows about. Because, like, this shit was never even shown to us. He, out of nowhere, gets his hands on a megaphone. Bro, this is the part that... This is the best part of the movie to me. This is is better than the shit that Gojo was doing. This is better than, like... You know, Gojo did a lot of cool shit. He clapped his hands at one point, used space-time G2 to, like, make people disappear. Uh, He beats the shit out of Miguel. You know, he does all kinds... At one point, a curse comes out of nowhere, and it's really, really big, and he just does, like, blue on it, and then it just obliterates the curse. He does a lot Mm -hmm. of cool shit, but we're used to that now. What I'm not used to, though, what I'm not fucking used to is somebody mimicking a broken-ass curse technique with higher efficiency than the actual person who used it to begin with. Okay. Yeah, he pulled out the megaphone, and the megaphone had the symbol of Inomaki's clan on it. And Ghetto notices. He goes, "Oh, like he said, two snake, a- yes, two fucking yeah. fangs and eyeballs and all that shit." And uh, he goes, he fucking goes into the megaphone, Shine, and then <laughs> yo, <laughs> there's like thousands of curses that Literally. just get obliterated. So even the way he does it, he appears on top of one of those really high uh, poles in Japan that looks like the same thing that Itachi stood on when he goes to kill his whole clan. Is that exact type of pole, like the electric pole? He stands on top of one of those, and he says, Rika, we're doing that thing. And at first, yeah. I'm like, wait, they, they have that kind of relationship? And when he says that, he puts his hand out in this really cool way, and a fucking megaphone materializes in his hands. And like Kenny said, it has the two, as the exact symbols that you see on Inumaki's face. Like, he has the, yep. the, the same exact thing on his face. He grabs the megaphone, he puts it to his face, and he puts his hand out all cool and shit, and he just goes, Shine. When he says that shit, everything around him literally disintegrates. And the screen goes white, and you just see black, like all of the, the curses, they're, they're colored in black. And they just start literally disintegrating. It looks fucking amazing. Okay? It does and look insane. The best scene in the whole movie for me. But after he does that, he puts it away, and he simply goes, Inomaki's amazing. That technique is really hard to use. And he just, yeah. he makes like a comment about how, uh, it, it, it it's a lot of cursed energy going into it and it's hard to control the direction of it and Inomaki uses this on a regular basis he's amazing but even though you just used it way better than him yeah that's that, that this is one of the things where I was kind of like it was cool like I was loving the moment and the scenes like it looked awesome but I was kind of taken out of like why is he so strong like I get that Rika's broken and and he's trying and then later we find out he's Gojo's cousin but it just felt like there was for me, it was like le- yesterday he was a bitch, 
And right. now he's like, Rika, give me this megaphone and we, the, this curse item that we didn't even know existed. And like he uses it, obliterates a whole thing better than Inomaki could. And then he just starts rumbling. I was like, this guy's going nuts right now. Yeah, he went, he went fucking ham. I wasn't, I wasn't ready for the megaphone scene at all. So like, when the hell did he get that level where he said, Rika, we're doing that thing? So you're just yeah. able to, and that's when Ghetto makes a comment that uh, this is the true manifestation of Rika's power. Because at first it was like, oh, it's just like a really big demon that attacks people physically. But then when he started using other people's abilities, I realized, and without the drawback, because yeah. Idomaki's clan, in order to use their stuff, it hurts them. But if you're just gonna if you're just gonna use it through a megaphone, there's no drawback to it. He wasn't harmed at all after he did that. He was able to fight still. So that that is broken. that is not okay, and that's going to be used, I guess, later on, because that kid Yuta is now going to be a part of season two and, and onward. Like the way the movie ends, we see it, that Gojo goes to like recruit him or whatever. Again. That's going to be yeah, because uh, you know, I'm watching it and I'm wondering, I'm wondering basically. Because, you know, at one point he makes the promise with Rika. He says, all right, like, lend me all of your power and, like, I'll die. Like, I'll, I'll go be you. I'll give you everything. My mind, my body, my heart, everything. And so I'm like, oh, okay. Like, he legit. Because, like, he's not in season one and this is a prequel. He does, But, like, all the other characters exist. And, like I said, as as far as I know, this is actually part of the manga. So this all is actual canon to the story. It's yep. all real, etc. So anyway. Um, I thought maybe, okay, he dies at the end of the story, and then, like, he kind of sort of confirms it that he dies, and then, but then he doesn't die. At the end, there's, like, this really kind of touching, beautiful scene where he, like, releases Rika, and Rika says, like, um, you know, don't come to my side any anytime soon. Right. Uh, she's finally able to go rest. But, uh, you know, he just kind of goes off, and then after the credits, we see Yuta... Um, I don't know if he's in Miguel's country or if they're just somewhere else, but he's with Miguel, the guy that was fighting with Ghetto, and he's like eating with Miguel. And then out of nowhere, Gojo shows up, and it's just like, it's just like this really weird scene because I don't 100% know what's going on. Me either, I don't... because Miguel, I thought, was like on a side of evil. So, yeah. How did Yuta end up with him? I'm not really sure on that. But yeah, Yuta is just having some spicy food that he never got to try before. He's eating some spicy food with him. He's like, oh, this is amazing. But I, I was a little confused on the context of all of that stuff, too, and, like, where they are, how much time has passed between the prequel, season one, and that scene. Like, we don't yeah. know. Uh, but, yeah, that that whole thing was interesting. I thought I thought that it was cool, though, when Ghetto, just to kind of go back a little bit, he, he used his ultimate attack. He said, you know, there's 16 special grades. There's four special grade people. Uh, and this is one of the 16. He calls this fucking doll thing. There's oh, a, yeah. This Asian doll looking thing. And he said, I'm going to use all 4,452 curses against you. And he pulls his he puts his hand up and creates this thing he calls Maelstrom. And it's like all of these curses and they start becoming black and they, they make a spirit bomb. And when he does that, that's when Yuta says, like, let me your strength. I'll give you everything. And so she shoots out this purple laser. This reminded me of Black Clover. There was a part where. I forget the guy's name. I actually like the character a lot, but he's one of the captains of one of the squads. He's a painter and he's fighting against real. Uh, His name's real real. Yes. Thank you so much. Uh, real's fighting against, is it, what's the, so it's Asta and, you know, so real's fighting against, yeah. you know, and he, he's painting like this fucking demon looking thing that shoots this purple laser out as, you know, using his new, uh, his new mode where he gets like fused with the self and become one. 
And so they're going back and forth with a beam struggle. But yeah, eventually Rill's like, oh, this is amazing. I'll be able to paint like anything after this. And he's yeah, not yeah, taking he's it seriously. for the best inspiration. The best inspiration. Yeah. So that scene reminded me of this a lot. But apparently Ghetto just gets destroyed by this. Even though he used his full power, um, you find out that Yuda is just way too much. At least, at least releasing his power in this form. Where you're just like, I'm going to give up everything. It kind of reminds me of Chainsaw Man, too, when that girl said, I'll give you everything. This this also goes to, like, one of the, like, issues with JJK that we were talking about with Gojo. Yuta is part of Gojo's clan. And Yuta has nowhere near the experience Gojo has. Not even and, like, and Ghetto is, like, he has 4,000-plus curses. He's, he's like, as far as we know, the big bad. Like, he is the right. biggest. He's the Orochimaru right now of the series and like he gets sort of kind of no diffed by Yuta and Yuta even with a time skip and training he's still not on Gojo's level so just like a random kid who didn't even know he was part of Gojo's clan is kind of able to just no diff the strongest fucking villain like, I think even Ghetto says when he does the megaphone he said in under a year he was able to do that yeah like yeah it's, it's kind of nuts and this just goes more to show like how unfair Gojo is. Cause, yeah, like, cause that kid is nowhere near his level. <laughs> like that kid is nowhere near his level. So yeah, it's, um, that is a problem that I have with all of these, but my way of dealing with it, like I said before, is that I consider all of these anime like this to be the new school of, uh, Shonen. And they all have this thing where the pacing is really fast. Like Demon Slayer, Jujutsu Kaisen, Chainsaw Man, right? They're all part of what I call the new school. And yeah. the old school would be Naruto, Bleach, One Piece, and everything around before and around that, like, you know, Yu Hakusho, all of that stuff. That's all the old stuff where the stories were really, really long and drawn out and the pacing was really slow. The main character starts off really, really weak and then they get stronger slowly. Like, it might be 40 episodes before Genkai really puts Yusuke on a good level, right? Like where he's yeah, yeah, a yeah. Bit, and then you come to find out he's not even anything compared to Togoro and them, right? Like so he even though he trains with Genkai much later, he's nowhere near or like another good example is Hunter Hunter. 20 episodes before you even find out what Nen is at all. Then they yep. find out what Nen is and they still suck for another 60 episodes. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So that pacing is much slower back then, but now you have these Jujutsu Kaisens, the Chainsaw Mans, the Demon Slayers, where the main characters are just ridiculous within the first season, basically. Like, Kino Kamikaze, yeah, Sun, Sun Breathing is episode 19. Yeah, it episode happens 19, really fast. And Jujutsu Kaisen, I think by episode, like, 18 or something, uh, Itadori is doing that Black Flash technique three times in a row, which they said the only other person who did that was Nanami. Or Nanami. Yeah. Like, he did, he said, what's the most you've ever done it in a row in one day? And Nanami says three times. And then Itadori does the exact same thing the first day he learns how to use it the first time. So the yeah, first he breaks the he, record. He breaks the record on the first day he uses it. It's like And Black Flash is like supposed to be this really absurdly powerful technique. Oh, by the way, I don't know if you caught it, but in the movie, Yuta actually uses Black Flash. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I did, yeah. There's a random scene. They don't call it, like they don't call it out, but you yeah. you know what it is when you see it visually. Yep. No, no, I 100% did notice that. Yep, he, bl he blatantly um, just uses Black Flash, so. I was a little cool. You got a quick little scene showing, like, Toto and all the other guys, like, running around oh, killing yeah. Kurt. 
Just yeah. go real quick. And there was like this big curse. And we're like, oh my God, we can't deal with that. And Toto's like, I ain't got time. I got to go to a concert. And he's fucking runs up and yeah. no diff some random ass curse. Yeah, Toto's um, broken. He is broken. Oh, now that I think about it, I wonder how much it, maybe they blatantly say it's something different. But I just remembered when they introduced Toto and like that whole class, they said that like he there was like a, a war or something like just recently or not that long ago, there was this huge fight and Toto went off and like by himself killed like these really big de- like a bunch he of these big curses. That, that is, that and, is a relation um, to that. that the movie. I just realized, I think that's this, th- this is what they were talking about in season one. It was yep. this event. You're 100% yeah, I, didn't, right. I didn't even think about that until right now. Yeah, no, that this, and they didn't really show him do it, but this war was actually the exact thing that they introduced him on. Um, he exercised four high-level curses by himself. Yeah. Also, I thought that the one girl with the two big braids in the front and the back with the light blue hair, she was really cool. She has, like, an axe. Oh, yeah. She was awesome. She, and her hair, she has, like, a big braid in front of her face, right? And a, yes, a big braid in she front. She was and fucking a big awesome. Back. And I think her and Gojo used to fuck around, like, mess with each other. Because they made some really weird sexual comment to each other in season one that I caught. And I was like, oh, yeah. shit. But yes, so she had a scene where she was just going off, okay? Yep. She was going off with the axe, and she killed... She said, I just I just reached 50. So she killed 50 curses by herself. Yeah. And she was like, I hit my quota, like I get the bonus pay or something like that. Yeah, she was doing it for her bonus. So that was really dope. But I, I, I was a big fan of her, so I want to see her fight a little bit more. I want to see what her cursed energy and her techniques are, because we didn't even get to see that. She just used an axe and killed everything. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot. There was a lot of really cool scenes uh, yeah. in the movie, and just random shit that happened. Yeah, overall, it was a pretty good movie. Uh, okay, before we wrap this episode up, I want to quickly address a listener letter. So we do have one from uh, Austin Cruz. It's been a while since we had a listener letter, so I feel like a lot of people might have forgotten that we do do this segment of our show when we get them. But if you want to send in a listener letter and have us read it aloud on the show and discuss it a bit, uh, just write into I am their podcast at gmail.com. And again, that's I'm there podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us in our link tree and on every one of our YouTube videos. Now uh, in the description box, there will be like our listener letter thing, our link tree, our Patreon and stuff like that. So if you're interested in that type of thing, just check it out. But yeah, Austin says, and this is based on Chainsaw Man. So we did our Chainsaw Man episode very recently. He says, I was also someone who waited a while to start Chainsaw Man. I saw the manga release, but didn't think much of it. Decided to give the show a try when a buddy was telling me how good the manga was. Glad I did because it was better than expected. I felt the same way. Uh, One Mm -hmm. thing I found really cool was when he was fighting that one demon that senses you based on fear, he literally just walked up slowly to him and down smashed. (laughs) Bonus points if you get the reference. Um, my guess as to why everyone is after Denji's heart is probably related to how him and his devil made the deal. When they first meet him, they even said he didn't smell human, but didn't smell of someone completely taken over by a devil either. Okay, so yeah, Chainsaw Man for me, when I saw that it was being hyped up in Japan, and then all of those pages that share anime on Facebook, they always do that thing where they try to hype everything up, and they always compare it to One Piece, which is how you know One Piece is the best. That is the same logic I use for Yu-Gi-Oh!, so whenever people try to discuss what is or isn't the best, here's how you know what actually is the best. Whenever you have to keep comparing something to what the best is, that's how you know it's the best. For example, hmm. there was a, a time when every deck was compared to Burning Abyss or every deck was compared to Necros. And the Burning Abyss deck, a lot of people were like, oh, I think Burning Abyss is the best deck. But even though it was called Necros format, some people were like naysayers and they thought that Burning Abyss was actually the best deck. So what they would do is 
they would be like, oh, but like Burning Abyss can do this and this and this, and you could put on all these floodgates. But I was like, okay, but what are you putting the floodgates in against in your Burning Abyss deck? Like you're putting in cards that prevent searching and cards that prevent spells from being activated. But what are those meant for? Those are meant for Necros. You're building your Burning Abyss deck to specifically beat Necros. So Necros mm -hmm. is the stronger deck because your Necros doesn't build its deck to beat Burning Abyss. Necros is built to beat every deck. It is the strongest yeah, yeah. deck. It actually beats all of them. It it's actual engine, right? Like no traps, no spells. It's actual built-in engine deals with every other deck on its own. It wasn't called spellbook format. It was called dragon ruler format because the spellbook deck had to play Jog and the Spiritualist and all these other cards to prevent the dragon ruler deck from funk like Kaiko. You play that for dragon rulers. Dragon Rulers doesn't play it doesn't play a single card designed specifically for spellbooks. Therefore, yeah. their strongest deck is the Dragon Lord deck. So I say that to say when Jujutsu Kaisen was being hyped, when Chainsaw Man was being hyped, even when Demon Slayer was being hyped, they always compared it to One Piece and how One Piece was doing, like, oh, One Piece is now number two in manga sales this month. It's always for a month, too. It's never for, like, a whole year. It's just like, oh, this month, <laughs> Demon Slayer was the most sold manga in Japan and all this other crazy shit. And, like, yeah, when I saw the Chainsaw Man art, I immediately was turned off by it. I was like, okay, this is a rant. I don't care about this. This is a fad. This is a trend. Like, another one is Tokyo Revengers. Everyone was hyping that up for a while. I don't really hear much about it right now, but everyone was hyping that up when it first was, uh, I guess, getting really good and saying, oh man, it's the most selling thing in Japan. And I looked at the art for it and I wasn't really impressed too much about it, but I won't discredit something just for its art style. Uh, but if it doesn't look like something that I'd be into, like a guy's face being a chainsaw and his arms being a chainsaw, it just did not speak to me. That just wasn't... Mm. That wasn't my thing. So I agree with you, Austin, when you say that you waited to get into it because it didn't really look that cool or anything. I feel the exact same way. Yeah, for me, uh, Chainsaw Man, I saw the the manga artwork I remember seeing and loving. Like I like I thought the the way the artwork artwork looked in the manga I thought looked really cool. Not saying Chainsaw Man, because I think he looks like a rant, but I mean the uh the art in general, just like the quality of the artwork I thought looked really nice. Um, like I remember seeing like Makima or whatever the fuck her name and thinking the way she was drawn was really well done. Yes. But, uh, you know, I never actually went and read it. Um, then we eventually watched the anime and yeah, I mean, I'm happy we did like, like Frazier. I think that, uh, it started off kind of like, okay, this is interesting. But then as time went on with each passing episode, it did get better. Yes. Like, I can say that like it's where it started. I was like, okay, this is, you know, this is cool. Whatever. I'm not. But with each passing episode, I was interested a little bit more. Yep. I, uh, it, it did the thing that I... Some some anime, some manga, they do this. It kind of transforms out of nowhere into something else. I think My Hero did this too. My Hero yeah. spent a good portion being like a goody two-shoes, happy-go-lucky story surrounding a typical shonen protagonist, right? Like, Izuku is very similar to most protagonists that you've ever seen. He's very similar to Gon. And he's also like he's really intelligent and everything, but he has a he's a gone factor to him, a, a pureness of heart. Yeah. And, and then you get to my villain academia, and the, there's this crazy shift in the tone of the entire series, yeah. and it's it stays shifted from my villain academia to where they are right now. The tone shift remains to this very dark anime slash manga that i just did not expect going into it because it, again it seemed very happy-go-lucky very heroes and we want to say yeah and do good and then it became like i don't even know yeah it um, got dragged down into the darkness it did and so chainsaw man while it didn't start off happy-go-lucky there was a tone shift when i saw makima get shot in the back of the head 
And then yeah. everything that happened after that with the criminals and the top of that mountain and her squashing people, like squishing people like that into nothingness and everything. And then the one girl giving her entire body away to her, uh, her demon or what her devil, like just giving her entire, like her arm disappeared then her, her torso disappeared and then her head. I'm still sad that she's dead, man. I liked her. Me too. That, that was really fucked. And then the whole part where throwing up in the kid's mouth and then trying to sleep with an underage and just like the tone shifted. It shifted fast. Don't get me wrong. The yeah, pacing, yeah. The pacing is all over the place, but still, I just wasn't ready for, I wasn't ready for the tone shift in Chainsaw Man and I wasn't ready for it in My Hero and stuff. So yeah, the, Chainsaw Man Better than expected. I agree with that point 100%. I'd have to go back and look at the scene you're talking about with the down smash when he saw the demon based on fear. Um, the, I guess you're talking about the one in the, uh, the hotel or like the building where they're stuck on the eighth floor. But you said he did I, a down smash. I think he's talking about uh, it's like the last episode or second to last episode when the girl with the snake summons the hand monster, the hand curse or whatever the fuck they're oh, devil yeah. and he kind of like thinks back um to her to his partner and she says like blah 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 she can't see so she literally smells fear and then he like completely just composed himself and then just like walked up to it and just yeah kind of no diffed from there okay um yeah and then in terms of like people being interested in his heart and like the they did make a unique pact and even in episode one or or whatever they kind of touch on they they say something about like a devil and a human and be able to like make a deal or whatever um and give but yeah maybe they did make a unique deal and that's why they want his heart i i do feel like there's going to be like some random secret shit that you know he's like the nine-tailed fox or something i don't fucking know I, like, yeah i get that too they're really making it seem like he's magic you know he's like super <laughs> special yeah, I agree 100%. I definitely think there's something going on that is going to be, I guess, a big reveal later on um, why the gun devil and everybody else wants this character. Also, the same thing with Demon Slayer. Whatever the fuck happened in season two with Tanjiro and like when he stopped breathing, but then that shit came over his face, that mark grew out on his face and like made him yeah, look yeah. way more demonic and scary. Uh, my my guess, and this is this is not based on anything other than I've watched a lot of anime, read a lot of manga. But, like, he's just a fucking demon himself. Like, like Tanjiro, either his family innately just has demons inside of them, or he is part demon, and that just makes him, like, outrageously strong. Uh, but that's, mm. like, the most obvious thing, because, again, that mark on his head that he thought he got from a burn, from a pot, like, get the fuck out of here. Like, well, I don't, like, get, get out of here. Like, that just did not happen the way you think it happened. So, again, I don't read the manga for Demon Slayer, but I just... I've watched too much anime and read too much manga to not know that after seeing him do that shit against when's, Daki. When's season three? Just like we didn't know when Attack on Titan came back, I have no idea when Demon Slayer comes back. I thought it was coming back. I think it's coming back really soon. I just don't know when. I thought we've... Let me see. Demon Slayer season three. I think it's like... I think it's really... April 9th? Okay. Maybe. Uh, I googled it and uh, I see that this stupid season three's first episode is also airing early as a global theatrical screening, which I did not see. I heard that that was a money grab. Um, yeah, I'm seeing April 9th. Yeah, I'm not seeing really anything. So, yeah, you okay? Let's go with April 9th. Yep, April 9th. I see that now too. Oh, but this is saying. In Japan, April 9th, the international release date via Crunchyroll is yet to be announced. 
Okay. That's what this is saying. Okay. So, it's, uh, but you are well, right. Soon, within the next like month or so, hopefully. Uh, and of course, we'll be doing a review after episode one comes out just to kind of say where it's going, what we think is going to happen. I think it's also airing with like maybe an hour special, like the episode season. I think season two aired with an hour special as well, because Ooh. at the end of season two, uh, Muzan called an emergency meeting with all of the upper moons this time. So, yeah, that is going to be hype as shit. And I can't wait for that because season one ended with an emergency meeting, but it was at it was with the lower moons and it was just him talking down to him. I imagine he's still going to talk down to the upper moons, but maybe with a little bit more grace, maybe he won't kill all of them like he did with the lower moons. As with um, oh, no, what I'm trying to say is uh, season one, it is ending season two ended in similar to season one. I am happy as good as the movie was like as as fun as it was to watch Mugen Train. I'm happy that they're not doing another movie um, before season three because, uh, like, they saw how successful that was and blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. I'm happy that we're just getting another season because it's annoying having to wait because, like, it takes so much longer for a movie to come over to the States than it does for just, like, the episode. Yeah. Um. So as cool as it was to get things like Mugen Train, I'm happy they're not like, oh, this made a lot of money, so we're going to do this in between every season. Agreed. I, I agree 100%. I'm glad that that's not... I'm glad that's not becoming a norm. Uh, it would be almost as cringe as what Attack on Titan's doing. Like, I'm just not a fan of what what's happening with that. Yeah, but, yeah. But anyway, all right. Before we get out of here, let's give a shout out to the people on our Patreon. So there are a ton of you. Um, I'm going to grab a good list because Kenny has someone that he is going to do. We split it up now that we're like over a certain amount. So we have apparently we have 54 people on our Patreon right now. And Jesus, there's two pages of people, so bear mm. with me. Kenny, I just messaged you on Discord the uh the names for yeah. you. Okay, so we have our our day one. Honestly, these are our day ones. You know, we got our day ones in the beginning. We got Connie, Austin, Leon, Quest, and then we have Garen, Xavier, Hylian, Dimitri Barnes, Vinny Casella, Dominique Roberts, Giovanni Avalos, Alex Flamer, Henri Reynolds, CJ, Dub K Dad, Juan, Dan Vrabel, First to Home, Dalis Fernares, S. Akuma, Mitchell Niles, Midwest Gaming, William Shapiro, Dimitri Safiridis, Vince Marquette, Dallas Bailey, uh, Doc and Ziggy. Oh, wait, did that change? Anyway, Doc and Ziggy, Roz Weiss, Nick Stango, Hanto, our two-time national champion, Vincent Zen, Sarah Maria, Sunny Top Cut Podcast, Alex Ahern, Philip Campa, Jalen Haskins, Arale Melfi Slump, Chris Lynn, Wookie159, MSW2389, Edison Club, Kyle Botelho, Brandon Moore, Sugal, Nick, Eric, Nafa, Corey Fowler, Omar Ramos, Elijah Barfault, and then... A true hero, Tyler Tadeo, Majora Plays Games, or Majora X, uh, Anthony... And um, just Anthony. Uh, so if you want us to say anything else to identify you, then let us know. But for right now, I'll just say Anthony and uh, and Matt Glennie. Yes. And I think I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think that you guys can edit your actual like name on Patreon, not your email address. Yeah, of you course. can. But I, OK, you can do that, Kenny. Yeah, because yeah, uh, one of I somebody that follows um, my stream on Critical Hit Plus they subscribed to us on Patreon for like a month. And when they initially subscribed, it was their uh, their name. Yes. And then they changed it to what they wanted, like their display to be. Okay. Because I remember there was a point where I was having a hard time with Kang Petty because his actual name was showing. And I had to remember every time, like, oh, just say say this. Because that's what he asked me to say. But yeah, that, that actually is really cool. So if you want to 
have a different name for us to read out, then I think you have to do something in Patreon where you can change like your display name or your username or whatever. So yeah. Yeah. Anyways, we're getting out of here. As I always say, do the things that make you happy. And that includes watching a, a pretty good anime movie. Honestly, Jujutsu Kaisen is actually, it's grown on me. Like it's, it's definitely grown on me between this movie and just my respect for season one's um, animation and just, the, yeah. the actual fight choreography I think is really well done and stuff like that Gojo is a really cool character really overpowered character from the start so yeah yeah I enjoy JJK um whatever you know whatever I say about it to detract from it at the end of the day I do enjoy it that's why I've watched the movie because like if I didn't enjoy season one I wouldn't have watched the movie um and I'm Same. I'm excited to watch season two regardless of whatever the pit whatever pitfalls there may be um, I'm still excited. To, ah, I bit my tongue. I'm still excited to see season two. Oh, geez. All right. Well, we're getting out of here. Catch you in the next one. Peace. See ya.